0: Um, welcome to those of you who slipped in during the worship um today we are celebrating aren't we and it's so good to be gathered together to celebrate to make special time in our year to do this and um we've been celebrating who god is in worship but we also want to celebrate what god is doing in real lives among us in ht so um, i'm steve i'm the youth pastor here And I'd like to introduce you to two absolute heroes of our youth group, Ben and Lucy. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for being here. Um, And we'd love to hear a little snapshot of what God's doing in your lives. So, Lucy, could you tell us a bit about how you started following Jesus?
1: Um, Yeah, so when... Our family were little. Uh, our mum was a Christian, but and we went to church, but none of us really like felt like we would all say we were Christians, but we didn't really know what that meant. And then we moved to Cambridge, and uh, we lived on the street, and some people moved into our street right next door to us, and they were Christian, uh, and they invited us over, and they introduced us to Jesus, and like they introduced us to worship, and all these things that we'd never really m- knew before. And then uh, came to HT and met some pretty awesome people and went to Soul Survivor in 2015 and gave my life to Jesus. So, yeah.
0: Brilliant. And and um, could you uh, tell us a bit about what difference that's making day to day now?
1: Um, yeah, so I go to sixth form college and I'm in my last year of doing A-levels and it's all just really, really stressful and a bit like manic and um just being able to take some time out every day just talking to god and just asking for peace and asking for joy has really like helped me in my life and yeah just reading the bible every day because i'm doing bible in a year and it just you know brings you closer to god and you just feel at peace and much calmer so yeah
0: brilliant thank you and um yeah let's go up on a step here we go (laughs) we've been we've been elevated um and ben um, could you tell us a bit about where you're at in life and how being a Christian is making a difference there? Yeah, so I uh, like Lucy. I'm in my last year of A levels, and uh, yeah, well, I've been a Christian all my life. Well, grew up in a Christian family, so yeah, well, it's like it's just been a gradual change. And I think over the past few years, it's like just God's really been helping me, but, like because I've been I get a bit worried about you know exams and work and so like every time i feel a bit worried I, you know that bit in philippians the I, like don't be anxious and it's like remember that and then quick prayer and then it calms down a bit <laughs> great thank you hey great to know isn't it <clears throat> so good to hear how god is supporting you both in every day and thank you and let's be encouraged That, you know, we could, there's so many stories that we could share, you know, kids, ministry, youth, students, home groups, the whole thing um, of God's goodness. So let's be encouraged and thank you so much both for being up here. Can we give these guys a a real appreciation? (laughs) and We're going to carry on our celebration now with uh, reading.
2: Today's reading is Psalm
1: 23, and the words should be bearing behind me.
2: The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Well, good afternoon, and it's fantastic to be together as H.T. taking over Great St. Mary's again. Just um, look around you and see the family of H.T. I find it enormously encouraging that we belong together. Don't you? Don't dare say no. (laughs) Let's thank God together. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that what we've sung of you is true. Great is your faithfulness. All I have needed, your hand has provided. And to look around today, Lord, and see how you have been adding to our number is inspiring. And we're grateful. We come to you as grateful children. Also, we come to you wanting you to feed us this afternoon. Lord, please pour out your blessing upon us. You who know the secrets of our hearts, meet with every single one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at this very, very familiar passage of Scripture, Psalm 23. And we're going to think of it as a banqueting table... And some of us here today will be feeling ravenous and hungry, and you know perhaps that some, some people here know they have great needs, know that you need to meet with God because you're in a hard place. Well, I'm sure this psalm is going to be helpful. Some are not in that place at all. Some are in a place where life is going wonderfully well, and I'm so pleased that we have some people like that. We wouldn't want anything other than that. But the place to learn about how to get through rocky times is when you're in a good place. So this banquet has something for you too. My suspicion is that Psalm 23 is very well trodden turf for lots of us. When I had a break a few uh, years ago, uh, a couple of months off, I read this Psalm every single morning, slowly. And I don't feel that I've plumbed the depth of it, even having done that. It has a lot to nourish us and to help us. But before we get near it, there are a couple of things I need to ask us to do. If we're going to really benefit from this psalm, we have to do something quite weird. We have to use our imagination and think of ourselves as being a sheep. Ah! I hate it when the person at the front says, imagine you're a sheep, that's the moment that I knew I never wanted to be a sheep, or a goat, or a camel, or a donkey, or an earwig, or anything else. There's only one thing worse than being asked by someone to imagine yourself being a sheep, is when they ask you one-to-one, if you could be a color, what color would you be? (laughs) Uh, Well, I, I don't really like that kind of territory, but anyway, to enjoy this psalm and benefit from it, We need to be prepared to enter into the imaginary world of sheep. Now, that for me is a problem because I am urban. And when I read a bit of scripture that says, The Lord is my shepherd, as I found out when I preached on this passage about 25 years ago, and a sheep farmer came up to me and he said at the end, You know nothing about sheep, do you? (laughs) If it had begun, The Lord is my bus conductor, I would have understood this psalm from woe to go. But to bring it up, to have something really helpful to say, I have now an encyclopedic knowledge of Middle Eastern sheep. And I'm going to prove it to you over the next 20 minutes. So you've been warned. Actually, that chap who was a sheep farmer, he didn't have much advantage over me because the times he lived in so different from the times of David. Now, as I'm referencing one scholar's work, it did seem fair to me that I should give him some credit. So my thanks to a man called Kenneth Bailey, who wrote a book called The Good Shepherd. I don't actually recommend you buy it because it's incredibly dense. He's a linguist, really, and he absolutely loves talking about the arrangement of words and how they've been changed and that sort of thing. But in between all that academic scholarship, he has some great personal insights about life in the Middle East. And uh, he says this, before modern times and cell phones, he was obviously writing for an American audience. The moment the lone traveler and the shepherd left for shelter and protection of the villages along the north south ridge, they were on their own. In those open trackless spaces, the traveler would find himself vulnerable to thieves, wild animals, snakes, sudden blinding dust storms, water shortages, loose rocks, and furnace-like heat, and many other potential threats. And for a linguist, he has a very racy translation of verse 1, which goes like this, I have no police protection, but my needs are met, because the Lord is my shepherd. Now some of the points I'm going to make this afternoon, you're going to be tempted to say, know that, I know that, I know that, there's nothing new here. But the thing is, are you feasting on it? So please, don't just kick it into touch because you know it already. Here is the first wonderfully sustaining thought on the banqueting table. God meets our needs. If you're taking notes, that's a good thing to write down. God meets our needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Now, you've heard me say many times that when God repeats something in Scripture, I'm convinced that it's for one of a number of reasons. Either it's so important that he wants us never to forget it, or, or possibly and, it's so difficult to actually appropriate it he needs to repeat it. And this idea that God meets our needs, it, it doesn't come just once in the scriptures. It comes many, many times. Isaiah 58, 11, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he'll strengthen your frame. Psalm 34, verse 9, Fear the Lord, for those who fear him lack Nothing. Lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. And here in Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And, of course, you know that there is a difference between needs and wants. Every good parent knows that giving a child everything they ask for is a recipe for a disaster and a very unpleasant child. But God promises repeatedly to assure us that he will meet our needs, our deepest needs. Kenneth Bailey sounds a little bit catty, actually, when he comments on this. But what he has to say is nonetheless valid because it's catty. This is what he says. The psalmist has a very basic set of wants that the shepherd provides for his sheep. That list includes food, drink, tranquility, rescue when lost, freedom from fear of evil and death, a sense of being surrounded by the grace of the Lord and a permanent dwelling place in the house of God. An ever rising mountain of material possessions is not on the list. There's no hint of any need for power or control. An externally generated set of compulsive desires and the need to be constantly entertained are also absent. But God is good for the essentials of living. Well, when you hear what God is good for, who's he good to? And it's very reassuring just to call to mind that the person writing this psalm is not Mr. Goody-Two-Shoes. From what we know of his life, it was a train wreck on many an occasion. I don't know all about him, but I know because it's on record that he cheated his wife, that he had an affair with someone called Bathsheba, that he's on record for inciting a murder. The name of the person that he incited was called Joab, and the person he bumped off was called Uriah. And yet, God's love enfolds him, and he says, the Lord's my shepherd. Now, before I move on to the next point, let's just do a quick reality check. Is verse one true for you or not? Or have we rewritten it so that it reads something like because I have so many friends, I won't be in want. Or because life's working out for me financially, I shall not be in want. Or because my family's behaving itself reasonably well, I shall not be in want. Now while we all know what those statements are driving at, and they're not wrong, it's, we all understand that financial uh, provision is important and a happy family would be wonderful. But it's n- the fact that Is the Lord your shepherd? Because you can't change any one of the first five words of this psalm and still be left with a meaningful statement. A life lived in touch with the good shepherd is a life free from struggle for the sheep, a life of security for the sheep. That's the point. So the invitations out there, make the Lord our shepherd today. Jesus chose to say that he was the good shepherd, that he came to seek and save the lost. Okay, let's move to the second wonderfully nourishing truth in the psalm of many. God is in the restoration business. God is in the restoration business. When we spend time with him, both together and alone, when we're able to enjoy his company, he will restore us in our deepest places. He will do soul surgery. This actually was the verse of the psalm that I felt most uncomfortable about uh, until I became better informed. I didn't like the sound of he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sound a little bit threatening. As if you'd have your feet taken away from under you so that you were so clobbered, all you had to do was lie down. And I have heard people say, have you ever found yourself lying flat on your back? Maybe the Lord put you there so that you had to look up at him. Well, I'm afraid that's cod swallow. According to this Psalm, and what I now know about sheep from my sheep specialist, here's what he says, a dog can be trained to sit and to lie down. Not so a sheep. We know the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. In a similar manner, no one can make a sheep lie down. Sheep will only lie down when they have plenty to eat, have quenched their thirst, and are not threatened by any wild animal or disturbed by biting insects. The barking of one stray dog can cause an entire herd of sheep to jump and even run off if not stopped by an alert shepherd. So, says the writer, I prefer the translation, he settles me down, and so do I. God settles me down before he can restore us. I remember a study that I read about when I was at university about what's it most important to have between two people who are going to get on. Is it that you have lots of things in common? Is it that you share a common taste in music or a sense of humor and da dad, da. And it turned out the answer was, what's most important is you spend time together. What's most important to sustain a relationship is you spend time together. If God is going to be able to restore us, he needs to spend time with us to give us peace and to restore our soul. So I have another question. If you would find it difficult to be still with God this afternoon, What's making you jumpy? Because in the ministry time we have in a few minutes, it would be good, wouldn't it, just to exchange what's making you jumpy with the peace the Lord could give you. Do you remember we used to sing a song? Cast your burdens onto Jesus because he cares for you. And that's quoting scriptures, both Old Testament scripture from the Psalms and New Testament scripture from 1 Peter. Cast your cares upon Jesus. Cast your burdens upon Jesus so that you can settle down in his company. He's in the restoration business. Do you remember Jesus said to the disciples when they were so busy coming and going, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? So why don't we receive it? Let's receive it this afternoon. Thirdly, God is going to guide us. And I just mentioned this and pluck it out because guidance is something that people get into a massive stew about. And I want to make a very simple point that even the most plonk along, dreary shepherd is good at guidance. It's a kind of absolute essential core requirement of a shepherd. They have to guide the sheep. And so you can rely, you can rely on God guiding you. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Actually, an ancient translation of his psalm puts it slightly better, really. He puts me back on track. It's a very good translation. And it's an idiom that Jesus picked up in one of the stories he told of going in search of a lost sheep. He puts us back on track. That's very, very reassuring. God's heart is to lead us for his own name's sake, as this psalm puts it. It's not to his glory to have his sheep, you and me, wandering around looking gormless. And if you're struggling with God's guidance, then receive prayer, ask people to pray for you. Receive help from the Spirit, receive help from the scriptures, receive help from God's people, and open your ears to what God is saying. But you will not be led by the shepherd if you harden your heart and put your fingers in your ears. Let's move on. Four words that change everything. Four words that change everything in this psalm. For you are with me. For you are with me. Every step of the way. All the time. For ever and ever, God is with us. It's expressed in this psalm like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. If you find it challenging to memorize the whole of this psalm, I suggest you memorize those four words. You are with me. God is with me. Jesus says, I am with you always, to the ends of the age. Do you remember that? A few years ago, I received an email from a friend of mine called Emma. And Emma was a very dear friend, and she had cancer. And um, from time to time, she would write to us and ask for prayer, and I would fling an email back. But on one time, uh, there was a typo in uh, what I sent back to her. And instead of saying, we're praying for you, I I wrote, we're pranging pranging for you. So she wrote to me back, thank you for pranging. I felt Jesus so close to me as the machine was wearing over me. She was having a CAT scan or an MRI scan. I can't remember which. In fact, I found myself smiling at him. And then I laughed to myself at the thought of him enabling me to do this in such a place. Without him, I would have been a nervous, terrified wreck. The whole episode ended with a giggle with the two radiographers. It was really extraordinary. A pleasant experience with only a huge bruise on my hand. Not painful to show I'd even been there. She was bearing witness to the fact Jesus says, I am with you. And he loves saying this to us. In Isaiah, do you remember, he says, when you walk through the fire, I'm with you. Jesus saying, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. In the middle of his psalm, "I am with you." Jesus again, when he came up walking on the water to the disciples in a boat, when they were scared out of their wits and fearing they were going to drown, and he just comforts them with the words, "I am." And those two words, "I am, the fact He is, God is, in the flesh, and he's close by, is enough, is enough. It's reassuring. Now with my sheep hat on, I can tell you sheep know they need protection and reassurance because they're so vulnerable, apparently. Sheep have a special problem, they have no defenses. Cats have teeth, claws, and speed. Dogs have teeth and speed. Horses can kick, bite, and run. Bears can claw, bite, and crush. Deer can run but the sheep have no bite or claws and cannot outrun any serious predator. They can butt other sheep, but that ability won't protect them from a wolf or a bear. The sheep's only secured security is the shepherd. Indeed, you are with me." And in my research, I discovered something quite interesting about rods and staff, just by the way. Um, we've got a little picture, I hope, on a presentation. Maybe we don't. Uh, let me just backtrack. So that is um, one of the paintings on early Christian catacombs in Italy. Apparently in the first few centuries after Christ, the most popular um, picture of him and a symbol of being a Christian, one of the two most popular, was the good shepherd. So you'll find in Rome and in Italy lots and lots of drawings of the good shepherd. Okay, the next one. I don't know if you can see this, but this is an Egyptian king. And in his hand, which is raised above his head, is a mace which he's about to wallop that slave with. Uh, And uh, that is the word rod, as in rod and staff. We do have the next picture. I don't know if you can see it any better there. But uh, the idea is the rod and staff, that God walking alongside you has a a, a very effective weapon to see off any predators. And uh, that's how he'll look after you, partly. Well, let's move to the last point I have, There is a promise at the end, in the last couple of verses of this psalm, and I would just summarize it like this, blessing upon blessing upon blessing. If any one of you came and met me at the end of this service and said, what's God's plan for my life, I would say this, to bless you, to bless you, to bless you. And it's wrapped up in verse 6, Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you're observant, you'll have noticed that something rather strange goes on in this psalm. That God is ahead of the game, leading the sheep at the beginning of the psalm. That he's walking alongside the sheep, In the valley of the shadow, you are with me. And that he follows the sheep in the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy or goodness and love will follow me every day of my life. You'll be enveloped. I am enveloped with the knowledge that nothing, nobody, no event, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is ours in Christ Jesus. So it's not an overstatement to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. Everything that I need is provided. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna have a moment of quiet just to reflect on what I've been saying. And then I I feel very much that part of what we're learning to do more and more as God's children at HT is to build each other up, to bless one another to support one another. And we do this by praying very often. And uh, it's not magic, but it's real. We're, we claim these promises, and we pray these blessings over one another. So I'll pray a general prayer, but then we'll move back to a time of worship. And during a time of worship, what I want to invite us to do is, I'm afraid I'm gonna ask those of you who are sitting on the, my extreme right, or the left of the church as you look forward, um, to vacate that area, so we can use it as a prayer ministry area. And over the rest of our time together, if you'd like someone to pray with you, just gravitate over there and ask people for simple prayer. Or maybe there's someone here in the church that you know and you trust, and you'd rather have them pray with you. That's absolutely fine, but let's not run away from the presence of the Lord. Let's make space for him to move among us. As we sit, let's pray. As I said at the beginning, I suspect this psalm is very well-trodden territory for us. But all the same, let's ask the Lord to make it fresh. Lord, thank you for your promises of goodness and love and mercy. Thank you that you poured out this love upon David, whose life was far from perfect. And so we have confidence to ask you to pour out this love upon us when we know our lives are far from perfect. And Lord, come and meet our needs because we need to be strengthened by you, to rely on you. We need strength that we can't just muster up from inside. We want to know you walk with us. We want to know your good plans. We want to know that your love is constant, even if we're perplexed and in the middle of a trial. We want to know in our heart of hearts that you're with us, right here this afternoon. So come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, for those of us who are fidgeting this afternoon and reluctant to drink from the waters because we don't feel peaceful enough. Help us to hand our burdens over to you. Come and restore us from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. Can I invite the worship band up?